You know, work positive nation, when you boil it right down, a positive work culture comes down to two things, caring and serving. You care for others, you serve others, customers, team members, and really anyone else interacting with the company. Now, that sounds simple, right? But it's not so easy to do, though, is it? I know what you're thinking. Well, Dr. Joey, if you work where I work, you know it's not that simple or easy. Hey, I get it. We all work in a less than culture at some point. The question is this, what will you do about it? My guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast is here to help make culture transformation simpler and easier. And I don't know about you, but I think we all can use some simpler and easier, right? He wrote the book, Leading with Significance, How to Create a Magnetic People-First Culture. So let's do something significant work positive for our work cultures, starting right now. Welcome to the Work Positive Podcast with your host, executive coach and culture architect, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Discover strategies and tactics that work positive as Dr. Joey talks with industry leaders who create a positive work culture that attracts top talent and reduces team turnover. Discover how you can create a work positive culture that increases productivity and profits. Here's your host, Dr. Joey. Work Positive Nation, help me welcome a guy with the best first name of any guest I've ever had, Joey Havens. Welcome to the Work Positive Podcast, man, and thanks for having a great name. Isn't that the truth? How blessed are we? <laughs> double Joey today. That's right, a double shot of Joey. So I've got to ask you, though, is your formal given name Joseph or is, is it Joey? Joe, J-O-E. Oh, okay. I'm actually a Joseph. Not that anybody cares besides our mothers, but <laughs> so mine's a well, I'm so blessed that my dad is still living and he's Joe and I'm Joey and I've been Joey all my life. How about that? I'm a junior myself. I'm a junior. Yeah. My dad goes by our first name. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. So Work Positive Nation, I'm sure you're just really intrigued with all these naming conventions, right? That, that we're talking about here. It's significant that we get to know each other though, right? It's very significant, particularly when you're talking about leading with significance in creating a positive work culture. And Joey, you've written a book called Leading with Significance. What prompted you to write that book? If I'm completely transparent, uh, God would not let me sleep until I got started on that book. I was coming to the close of my career and... Mm -hmm. I had learned a lot over the last 10 to 15 years of that leading our organization and mm. just felt a calling to do that. Mm. That's amazing. So tell us about the organization. What'd you guys do? Warren is a professional services organization with a CPA cornerstone. And uh, mm -hmm. we do a lot of different things, a uh, lot more than just audit and taxes. We're uh, truly a professional services firm, one of the top 25 in the country today. Wow. So how did you achieve that distinction? Culture. What was it about your culture that propelled you to such success? I think it is the fact that back in 2012, we made a commitment as a firm and as a partner group to make culture our number one priority. Hmm. 
What did that look like, this process of deciding that culture would be the number one priority? It takes a lot of conversations. As I tell people, you transform culture one conversation at a time. Hmm. And so it starts with understanding that you've got a compelling vision about who you want to be, who you aspire to be, having those conversations to aspire to that. And then being very transparent and telling your team two things. One, culture is going to be number one. It's going to be before bottom line. It's going to be before growth. It's going to be before client service. We might get smaller before we get bigger, but culture is going to be number one. And number two, we're going to be very transparent about our progress and what's not working so right now. Hmm. So what led up to this decision about culture is going to be number one? And I ask that question because most of us reach a point of pain <laughs> something gets screwed up along the way or something as my three-year-old granddaughter says it's not working properly pops so something's not working properly along the way what was it for you guys it was two things one we were changing leadership and i was up for consideration of being our next managing partner and i would say the level of trust in the partnership had really gotten fairly low there was um hmm a lack of trust, our turnover in our people was higher than we had ever experienced before. Mm. And we certainly had the common excuse that turnover is part of our profession, but it was affecting client service. We knew we had some problems with the experience our people were having. And so, yes, pain and a transition in leadership. And so that's when we delivered the vision of growing into the wise firm rather than being the foolish firm. Ah, I gotcha. How did you go about getting chosen to be the managing partner? Well, finally, everybody quit. <laughs> <laughs> you ran them off, did you, Joey? <laughs> it is funny, and I talk about this a little bit in the book, is we talk about how we came up about our vision of growing the wise firm and what we aspired to be. But mm -hmm. it started out, there were 12 people that put their name in the hat. I was leading our largest division of our firm. So obviously my name was one of those being considered. Mm -hmm. And as we started going through the process, which was a year before we would do the transition, it involved a lot of feedback, evaluations by other partners. It was a lot of pain mm -hmm. involved. And very soon that list went to five and then it went to two. And the two of us were to deliver a vision to the partner group at a meeting in May of 2011. And just before the week before the last candidate said, you know what, I'm going to withdraw too. So I still had to meet in front of the partners and deliver a vision that they would buy into. And that's when we talked about the pair, this based on the parable of the wise man, and the foolish man in the Bible. And we talked about the foolish firm and all the behaviors we had going on there versus a wise firm and the behaviors that we would see there, which were all built around having a great culture. Mm. So what were the uh, foolish culture? What, what so, were the uh, for that? It starts the foundation itself 
the wise firm, we wanted to be about we and service. And in the foolish firm, it was about me and self-interest. Mm -hmm. And that's, you just look at organizations everywhere today, it's all driven by me and self-interest. Leaders are making decisions about what's best for them versus what's best for the organization as a whole. Mm, yeah. And there's that narcissistic really focus on self. So if you were going to transform the company culture from me to we, you said trust was really low. What were some of the first things you did, Joey, to, to increase the level of trust? Oh, one, I met with each and every partner one-on-one. So I'm back to, you're going to transform a culture. It take, No one person can do it. It takes a group of people. It takes a compelling vision and it takes conversations. And so I had conversations with each and every partner. Transparency. In other words, we embraced, we got feedback from our team members. We formed some confidential loops, some belonging circles. We got that feedback and we reported it transparently. And then we reported what we were going to do. And then every year I stood in front of the firm and reported how well we did or how well we didn't do. And too many times we didn't make the progress that we needed to. Mm -hmm. In those times when your results weren't what you all wanted, how did you interpret that to the, to the team? It really depends on what that initiative was. Sometimes it was the leadership that we assigned it to. Sometimes we just didn't have the plan. We didn't communicate it thoroughly enough and over enough times. One of the things that's really key in culture is people will not believe in where you're heading until they see leaders actually lead and align with those same values. In other words, I call it the fishbowl approach. And so as you're a leader, you're in a fishbowl and everybody's watching what you do and how you do it. Seeing is believing. So you can say it all day long, but until our partners and especially me began to live out those values, people didn't believe it. Mm. Yeah. That inconsistency between walk and talk speaks volumes, doesn't it? So how did you help people? It sounds like shifted to a focus on behavior how did you reinforce that behavior on a weekly basis? Again, conversations. The thing I would get people to key on is that your culture never rises to your vision, to what you aspire to. Mm -hmm. It actually falls to what behaviors you allow or tolerate. Mm -hmm. And when you have those behaviors that aren't fitting, you've got to have those candid conversations about what's going to change here. How can we be better at this? And so it does. If you're going to truly change culture, there are a lot of hard discussions. Yeah, those are some crucial conversations, but man, they're uncomfortable. So how did you manage the discomfort, Joey? I had a board that was very supportive of our direction. God blessed us with, um, our first two years in this journey, we grew, firm grew 20% in two years, which we had been on a very slow growth pattern. And we went down in partners by 25%. There was only one retirement. Several partners decided they didn't want to be on this journey where we made culture first. 
And then there were a couple of hard discussions in that group. And because they were just, it was behaviors that we could not tolerate because they were really chewing people up. And when it settled in, we got some momentum and that's the key to change in culture is momentum. Mm -hmm. So you found some traction, some people self-selected who were not on board with the positive work culture. They were more the toxic top-down kind of work culture, right? And uh, control. Command and control. Command and control. Yeah. So they self-selected. How did you interpret those self-selections to the rest of the teams? Just transparent conversations and communications. Look, um, we're wishing them the best and we're going to continue to help them. And, and some of them went to work for clients and are still clients of the firm today. So oh, nice. uh, some of the self-selections was we were really raising the bar on our evaluations of leadership throughout the organization. It wasn't just about client service and growth. It was about people growth. Mm. Mm. So you kept people and profits in a healthy balance then and kept those connected. Yes. So that's a great word growing at that rate. I'm assuming you, you increased the number of team members as well. Yeah, we've had exponential growth. We started back in 2011, we probably had 380 team members and today we have over 2,300. Wow. That is exponential growth. So in, in seeking to attract top talent to your team, what were some of the keys to the continuing to elevate culture and yet bring people in that fit with that elevation. The best way to attract talent is obviously when your team members sell the firm, when the mm. team members sell your culture and you're on the right path, when they begin to really engage and lean into bringing new talent on and helping new talent, new people, new team members have a sense of belonging. It takes not only me, being vulnerable as a new team member, but it takes the other Joey extending his arms and connecting with me and helping me. That sense of belonging is key to high performance. Hmm. Nobody reaches their full potential if they don't have a sense of belonging because they won't take enough risk. They will not be innovative enough. They will not be creative enough. Yeah. And so we're back to that trust conversation, right? You, you're attracting top talent. And as you say, it's always best when it's organic. Current team members are saying, hey, come work here. We've got a great culture, right? So how did you, as you were onboarding people into the new culture, obviously there was some pre-established relationship for many of them. What role did trust play in that onboarding process? I'd say that the, probably the most insightful feedback, and we revamped our onboarding two or three times trying to get it better and better. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's even changed today from when I was running the firm and it continues to evolve uh, because people's needs change. But yeah. I would say the key insights and feedback that we got was one, we made it face-to-face -face and we had leaders involved. And so they heard from leaders as well as other team members we stress the values and the purpose of the organization over and over. Mm. And we were very transparent about what we were working on, what was working well, and what we were, what we we're really trying to do and aspiring to do. So we're very transparent with where we were. Mm. Wow. 
that takes a lot of intestinal fortitude, a lot of courage, right? To be that transparent. Uh, as a leader, did, did that level of transparency pinch you occasionally? And if so, how? I'm going to tell you the first time it hit me like cold water. Wow. Is we were big on taking these surveys to be the best company to work for in this state or that state mm. or the best CPA firm to work for. All our scores went down. Oh. Went down. We didn't qualify for anything. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but here's what we learned. Uh-huh. We were being transparent about what stunk in our culture. We were we were being transparent that turnover was a problem. Okay. That the underrepresented group was the turnover was 10% higher than the others. That women mm. leaders at pipeline was 38% and 60% of our team was women. So mm. when we started reporting on that, members didn't know turnover was a problem. Ah. But now they did. So when they answered the survey honestly. <laughs> we told them this is a problem. We have got to fix this together. We've got to fix this. Yeah. Then they started answering the surveys very honestly because they had a much better understanding of what success looks like. Uh, so it got worse so before it got better. At the same time, think about that though. Mm-hmm. At the same time, our culture was stronger than ever before. Mm. People were leaning in, giving discretionary effort, which I call magnetic culture. That's when you get discretionary effort, you get focus. You're getting that, but externally, other than the people that are touching your organization, a survey is you're not going to score as high. Yeah, it it truly gets better later. It gets later. worse earlier when you're going earlier. through culture you gotta transformation. Do, you got to go down in the swamp and come back up the other side. <laughs> That's right. And use all four-wheel drive and big knobby tires to get out of that swamp, right? Joey Havens is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Hey, Work Positive Nation, uh, if you where you can, go to joeyhavens.com. That's Joey. Hope you know how to spell that. H-A-V is in Victor, E-N-S dot com, joeyhavens.com. So, Joey, when they go there as they're listening to our conversation, what are they going to find? find some information about leading with significance. One of the things that I really hope they take a look at is my Be Better blog. I have written a blog, a leadership blog, comes out every Wednesday morning, and I've written that for the last 10 years. Uh, And it's got humorous little stories in it, but it's always a twist on leadership and a lesson that we can learn. Okay. And does it include some stories about dogs? Because I'm just thinking... If we're talking about swamps, we need some dogs, right? Probably a story. I know there's a story or two about my dog, Oliver, in there and uh, <laughs> my grandchildren and my oh, wife, sweet. which we call Cece. But, and you'll learn how to get in touch with me, speaking okay. engagements, some of the publications I've been publicized in. Okay. Nice. And leading with significance, there's information about your book there and we can go wherever we buy books, Barnes and Noble, uh, Amazon, places like Barnes that. and Noble, all the digital and it's in okay. audio as well as Kindle versions and certainly right. Amazon is carrying it. All right. Sweet. So I got to tell you, we're talking about culture, people, at, at least the conversations that I'm privy to, People tend to think of accounting firms as one of those places where culture is 
probably not discussed as much as it might be in some other firms. What was it like to introduce this notion that culture is going to be the primary driver around here into an accounting firm? Maybe that hill is taller. Maybe it's not. I will admit this, that our profession has a bad perception because we have not told a good story. We have not mm. uh, created the kind of story we need to create as a profession. Mm. Uh, but the profession has been very open about changing that and doing better. And we've been one of the lead firms in in helping make that transition. So it's really true. I've, I've got a 40-year career here. And so I've worked with all types of professional service firms, all types of middle market Fortune 500. I've, I've been around and I've seen a lot of organizations. And the thing that I'm going to tell you is that every organization will say we have good culture. <laughs> yeah. And so what I've learned to do is challenge people. It's every good culture stinks somewhere. And then the, the question is not how good is your culture. It's how good can your culture be? Mm. Mm. And that's where your blog, Be Better, comes in. Because you may be good, be but you can be a little bit better. It's a daily journey. Yeah, nice. I like that. Because we're talking about people at the end of the day. And people are constantly on a journey, as, as you're talking about here. So what are some of the other challenges? We've talked about several of the challenges. What are some of the other challenges, Joey, that you encountered and that you see other firms encountering to be better in culture? If I just listed a list out of the ones that just come up over and over again, the first one is not being willing to embrace the reality of where they're at. Mm -hmm. In other words, oh, we have good culture. We, and because we're responsible for it, we protect it rather than peeling that onion back and really looking at it. So yeah. number one is embracing reality. Number two is being willing to have one conversation at a time. It's, it's not uh, something that you can just wave a magic wand and, <laughs> and you have it. Mm. It takes a lot of trust in two different ways. First, to truly have a culture that's magnetic and people first, leaders have to trust first. They have to trust people. Mm. They have to trust and they inherit good in people. Mm. But the other thing is leaderships have to trust that they're going to get that growth. They're going to get better client service. They're going to get higher profitability by treating people first, by having that as their top priority. And that takes faith hmm. because there's not a lot of direct lines. There's more and more studies coming out showing that when our culture went up, our profits went up. And that's certainly the story that we had. Exponential growth, incredible talent and team attraction, as well as higher profits. But it takes faith. Hmm. Mm. And when you say it takes faith, what does that look like for you, Joey? Me, it's trusting, giving everybody the benefit of good intentions to start with, listening to understand mm. versus always having the answer. Mm. That sounds like a Stephen Covey principle. <laughs> and another big challenge to culture is the flexibility thing. Uh, I'm asked to talk about that a lot. And what I, what we've learned is that flexibility is unique to the individual, mm. to the role they signed up for, to the team they're on. And it's a privilege. It's, it's not a right. 
But I will say that flexibility hybrid schedules are the future of work. And I believe that the organizations that are now clamoring to get everybody back in nine to five, as Dolly Parton says, <laughs> in the office, yeah, I think it's a big mistake. Mm, why is that a big mistake, Joey? Because the talent pool is not getting larger, it's shrinking. And as more and more baby boomers retire, the pandemic itself did a reset for people in their minds and what they value and, and what they're willing to do and what they want to do. And so it's the organizations that give some autonomy to people, not run free, but the autonomy to have influence on when, where, and how I work. Wow. You remind me of my friend Jody Thompson, uh, who uh, espouses a row uh, results-only work environment and a, a real focus on results. Jody's an amazing woman who way ahead of the curve in terms of what we find now to be such a relevant conversation. It sounds to me like when we seek to insist on physicality, that is, you got to be in the office these hours, these days, when we insist on anything other than autonomy or what Jody likes to refer to as now we're in an autonomy economy, it seems like we don't trust people, Joey. So how did you talk about the inherent goodness of people? How did you grow that trust and belief in people in the culture? You had to be vulnerable and, and turn people loose. It takes clarity. It takes lots of communications. It takes managing you got to have guardrails. In other words, people want to know, okay, what are we going to do? And for remote people, it's everything from how are we going to dress? Is it going to be cameras on, cameras off? <laughs> when are we going to check in? Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of about clarity and giving people, listening to people, what do you need in your life? Okay, you've got a sixth grader that is just on their first soccer team. And now I understand why you need to leave at three o'clock every Thursday. Mm -hmm. understanding people's lives and work helping them to to meet their aspirations yeah and jody would quickly add that when we do that we understand every thursday at three o'clock right they're, they're we're leaving to we're unavailable because of soccer matches is, is number one the ability to achieve results soars because you're seeing that person as a whole person and trusting her or him enough to get the work done and Go to the soccer match. Let's talk about what you don't control. Okay. Which, by the way, probably 70% of the workforce is, is somewhere in this mix, is you don't control their focus. You don't control their innovation, their creativity. You don't control their discretionary effort. Mm. And when you don't care about them, when you don't believe in them, you're not going to get any of those things. Yes. Mm. So if you flip that, by trusting and starting with the benefit of good intentions, rewarding people for results. It doesn't matter if they get it done in an hour versus 10 hours. If they get the result that everybody's looking for, they're rewarded for that. It, it's just, it's a straight rocket taking off because you flip your workforce from 75% of them sitting around trying to punch whatever you're measuring, whether it's hours or whatever, they're checking yep. that box. Yep. And they go to, hey, this organization really does care about me and my life, and I'm going to lean in and help achieve this purpose. 
That's beautiful. Joey Havens is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Go to joeyhavens.com right now and discover more. You'll find that if, in case you're walking your Oliver or on Peloton or something, you'll find that in the show notes that accompany this program, as well as you can go to your favorite bookseller and find Leading with Significance there also. Joey, Work Positive Mission always wants to know from my guests that I have these amazing conversations just like this one with you. I always want to know one thing. Joey Havens, what's your one thing Work Positive Nation can do starting today to create a positive work culture? It's one thing that I've put in every book that I've signed so far. Mm -hmm. It's two words. It's be intentional. Hmm. And when you're intentional, when you have it front of mind, when it's the top priority, you can make mistakes. The main thing is get started, be intentional. That's the one thing. You got to have that first conversation. You got to take that first risk and trust somebody. So be intentional. I love it. Work Positive Nation, go be intentional today. And as you're being intentional, go to joeyhavens.com and pick yourself up a copy of Leading with Significance. Joey, thank you so much. Uh, for being my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Thank you, Joey. It was a, a pleasure. And I, at not once did I think about not remembering your name. <laughs> I try to make it simple. I try to make it easy. Today, Joey Havens was simple and easy for both of us, wasn't it? <laughs> I didn't even have to it write your name pleasure. down on my pad of paper here in front of me. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Take good care. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. Please share this podcast with your friends who are HR and small business leaders so they can do one thing today to create a positive work culture that increases productivity and profits. I'd like to give you a free work positive course just for listening. It's called Something to Talk About, and it's transformed the work conversations of so many people all over the world. Get your free copy when you go to workpositive.today slash something to talk about and you can start transforming your conversations today. Remember, it pays to work positive.